As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Good morning, welcome to the Daily Football Briefing from The Athletic. It's Thursday the 29th of February. Happy Leap Day! I'm Michael Bailey and on today's show... Liverpool and Man United book an FA Cup showdown. Jones follows up. It's Casemiro. Off the pitch, Liverpool do everything they can to reel in their man. The indications are it's not absolutely dead in the water. And why Real Madrid are moving their final match of the season. This is the Daily Football Briefing with Michael Bailey. Right, let's whiz through what happened on Wednesday. Starting with football's oldest competition, the FA Cup, where the football gods have been kind and given us a quarter-final tie to really whet the appetite. Manchester United and Liverpool will face off at Old Trafford in little more than a fortnight after both sides saw off their respective opposition. Will there be any late drama? In from Fernandes, yes there will! It's Casemiro! United laboured to a 1-0 win over Nottingham Forest at the City Ground. I was convinced we were going to get penalties. While Klopp's kids continue to prove they're more than alright with a 3-0 win over Championship side Southampton. Schumacher waiting for the shooting opportunity! And with his first shot on target, on his senior debut, Lewis Kumas gives Liverpool the lead! Debut goals from Lewis Kumas and Jaden Dans, yes, sons of Jason and Neil respectively, were enough to see the Reds through. There was also a debut for 16-year-old Trey Neone, wearing a disgracefully high shirt number of 98. Want to feel even older? He was born four days before Fernando Torres signed for Liverpool. We'll check in on both of those games shortly. Elsewhere, Chelsea survived their trap game to join the quarter-final crew, edging a five-goal thriller against Leeds at Stamford Bridge. In towards, that's a lovely turn and a brilliant goal and Chelsea won it two very late on. Conor Gallagher with three seconds of the 90 minutes to go has surely put Chelsea into the last eight of the FA Cup. That goal was indeed enough to put the Blues through despite conceding early on to Leeds. It's championship leaders Leicester in the next round for Chelsea. Mario Lamina's goal earned Wolves a 1-0 win over Brighton at Molyneux. They now host the lowest side left in the competition, another championship club in Coventry. 
And the final balls pulled from the fishbowl of FA Cup opportunity produced a last eight tie between holders Manchester City and fellow rich kids Newcastle United at the Etihad. A spot in the semi-finals at Wembley will be on the line when the quarterfinals take place on the weekend of the 16th and 17th of March. On to Spain, who won the inaugural Women's Nations League. The world champions beat France 2-0 with Ballon d'Or winner Aitana Bonmati opening the scoring and Mariona Caldente sealing the silverware. You can hear more about that one on Full Time Europe, our dedicated women's football show, when it's out later today. And finally, to Serie A, a league where defences are usually lauded. Well, there were two games last night and 11 goals scored. Inter increased their lead at the top to eight points with a 4-0 win over Atalanta. And yes, Latoro Martinez scored. That's 26 goals in all competitions for him now this season. And then there was Napoli, who were 6-1 winners at relegation-threatened Sassuolo. Victor Osserman scored a hat-trick, while last season's MVP Javitza Cavaratskalia bagged a brace. Have the defending champions finally found form? Their visit from Juventus at the weekend should help answer that one. So let's head back to Anfield where Liverpool eased through to the FA Cup quarterfinals and got to blood a few more youngsters too. Our correspondent James Pearce spent the night watching and indeed digging and he joins us now. Uh, James, the kids came up trumps again and now with that quarterfinal draw against Man United, the fans must be rubbing their hands with glee right now. Well, it's certainly a mouth-watering reward for Liverpool, a trip to Old Trafford to face their arch-rivals in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup with another trip to Wembley at stake. And, and to be honest, I think a lot of Liverpool fans would have feared that this game against Southampton was going to be a, a step too far so, so soon after those gruelling heroics at Wembley, especially with 14 senior members of the squad missing tonight due to injury and illness. You know, of course, since the weekend, they'd, they'd lost Gravenberg, they'd lost Endo, Robertson reported ill as well. So to have to turn to the kids you know, so significantly against Russell Martin's side. I think it was only natural for people to fear the worst, but having weathered that early storm when Quivine Kelleher made some outstanding saves, Liverpool just absolutely went through the gears and fully deserved their place in the last eight of the Cup. It must be exciting for Liverpool supporters to see such a talent factory and that must give huge hope for life after Klopp. Well, fans absolutely love the sight of homegrown talent coming through and you know, what makes it especially special for Liverpool at the minute is they have so many of them. It's not just one or two. You know, for so long, it was Trent Alexander-Arnold, the kind of the scouse heartbeat of the team. And then, of course, you know, Curtis Jones started to establish himself. All of a sudden, because of the injury situation, lots and lots of kids have had, had opportunities they wouldn't have expected beyond their wildest dreams. And then, you know, suddenly you've got, you know, Gerald Kwanzaa and Connor Bradley because because they've been around the first team for a few months now, they've almost taken on veteran status despite their their young age. And then you've got, you know, of course, Bobby Clark, James McConnell. You know, you see Lewis Kumas against Southampton. Trey Unioni becoming the third youngest player in the club's history at the age of, of 16. So, um, yeah, it's just really, really exciting. And it does. I think it it has to influence the contenders to take over from Klopp in the summer because on the one hand, yes, who wants to be the man to follow in the footsteps of an icon? But I tell you what, you aren't inheriting some serious, serious talent with the calibre of these kids coming through. And while we have you, James, there have been plenty of stories flying around that Liverpool are really trying to bring former sporting director Michael Edwards back to the club. Can you bring us up to date on the facts, please? Well, obviously, we reported shortly after Jurgen Klopp's announcement 
at the back end of January that he would be stepping down at the end of the season that Mike Gordon, the FSG president, had approached Michael Edwards, Liverpool's former sporting director, to see if he could tempt him to come back to the club. Of course, Edwards, massively respected by Liverpool's Boston-based owners because of the work he did in terms of recruiting that iconic first lineup of the Klopp reign, really, in terms of, you know, you think of players like Salah and, and Fabino and Robertson, you know, deals that, you know, that, that team essentially won the Champions League and won the Premier League, you know, in 2019 and 2020. And of course, they would love Michael Edwards back. He said no to Mike Gordon initially. You know, since then, Liverpool's search for a new sporting director has gone on, yet, you know, they have struggled to find the right candidate. So um, it's interesting that, you know, the indications are it's not absolutely dead in the water and that Michael Edwards could still potentially be convinced to come back. So, um, yeah, I would fully expect FSG to have one last go at it because, um, yeah, there's no doubt they would be absolutely over the moon if they could convince Edwards to come back and and lead what will be a new era once Klopp goes in the summer. And, of course, the, the dynamic will change because Klopp, became more and more powerful over the course of his reign, became more and more influential. You know, this, with him going, is a real reset button in terms of the sporting director going back to being, you know, a more powerful figure, I'd say. So it's just a case of whether that kind of control would appeal to Edwards. Thanks, James. On to Manchester United, whose FA Cup win at Nottingham Forest was at least better than the 2-1 defeat they managed in the Premier League there this season. Carl Anker was watching on for us at the City Ground. Carl, that was not a convincing performance. How did you read the game? No, I don't think that was a particularly convincing performance from Manchester United. They grit and ground their way out. Eric Ten Hag kept using the words spirit and passion and desire. And he said United were resilient outside of a promising 10 minutes at the start of the first half where Anthony hit the woodwork. Manchester United didn't really do much. It wasn't great either side. It was bitty and unmemorable. There's been more criticism of Marcus Rashford. Most deemed it a lacklustre performance from him. What did he look like to you, Carl? Marcus Rashford was again used as a centre forward at the City around Alejandro Garnacci on the left wing. Anthony on the right. Rashford as a centre forward has been an interesting experiment for much of his United career. Yeah, it became quite apparent last season that it's not necessarily a case of whether or not he's on the left or playing through the middle, but whether or not he has enough space to run into. Can Manchester United manufacture enough transitional moments for him to run into space and be very dangerous to run in behind? The answer on Wednesday night was no. They they just couldn't manufacture those sorts of broken bits of play and launch counter-attacks to get Rashford onto the ball. And therefore what you saw was, was a Rashford that had to play with his back towards goal a lot which he's not particularly good at. Anthony Martial has been better at him at that for quite some time. And also Rashford seemed ineffective in leading a front press. It's been a poor season for Rashford at this point in time. He could really do with a goal. He had a chance in the second half, but he sort of snatched up the chance and it sort of flashed across goal. Not ideal. And next, it's Sunday's Manchester derby at the Etihad. Can you see United getting anything from it? I honestly could not tell you. Such as the injury crisis, United will have to play at least one square peg in at least one round hole. The situation at left back is puzzling. The injury to Rasmus Hoyland means Rashford will again most likely have to play at centre forward. Uh, you consider the size, strength and speed of Manchester City centre-backs. That could be quite a difficult game for Rashford. If United do have something, it's set-pieces. Bruno Fernandes and Casemiro are building a good partnership of set-pieces. And Casemiro's ability in the air has always been deceptively good, but now seems to be his major strength. He's not quite the defensive safety net 
that he used to be. But by God, he can still get a good header on a free kick right now. So if you know you are to get anything from it, I think it's going to be from set-piece goals. A little bit of luck. And uh, yeah, maybe the football gods want to laugh. Thanks, Carl. And in case you weren't watching the BBC's coverage last night because you had a date or don't live in the UK, those are the only two options. Wayne Rooney was a guest and he told host Gary Lineker his target is to manage the likes of United or Everton in the next 10 years. I'll leave the fans of DC United and Birmingham to advise you on how feasible that may prove for Mr Rooney. Tonight is a quiet night for football, but if you're in the States, you can watch the second Copa del Rey semi-final to its conclusion on ESPN+. Athletic Club defend their 1-0 first leg lead over Atletico Madrid in Bilbao. The second leg kicks off at 3.30pm Eastern. Speaking of Spain, we all know Real Madrid have style, but they could be leaving La Liga with a bit of a blank space in their final round of fixtures. Never in my wildest dreams did I think I'd be talking about this, but I think you know all too well at this stage that a certain pop star has taken over the world. Yep, Taylor Swift is who I'm on about, apparently. And the story is that Real Madrid will play their last league match of the season on the final Saturday of May rather than the Sunday. That's to accommodate Swift's era's tour at the Bernabeu the following week. The slight twist is that if Real haven't wrapped up the title by then, or their opponents, Real Betis, still have something to play for, such as the Europa League spot they currently occupy, then all the other matches affected by such permutations will also have to move to the Saturday. Turns out there is someone bigger than the club, and her name is Taylor Swift. Hopefully no one suffers any damage to their reputation in this story, myself included. Uh, let's thank Abby Patterson for all the Swifty knowledge there and move on from it as quickly as possible. That's all for today's Daily Football Briefing. I've been Michael Bailey. Your producers were Abby Patterson and Mike Zimmerman with Ian McIntosh, our executive producer. Huge Swifty Tim Spears will be with you tomorrow. What a treat. Until then, enjoy your extra day of the year. The Athletic.